Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with our April episode of Socialist News and Views. Today is also my birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you. In the second half of our show, we speak with Liani Gale about care work and a burgeoning movement to center care within our economic relations. But we start with the news, starting with local news. April 9th, Minneapolis spokesman recorder, the oldest black-owned newspaper in the state of Minnesota, has an article by Cole Miska entitled Protesters March to Demand Charges for Police Officer Who Shot Amir Locke. The article says... Quote, around 70 people gathered Friday afternoon on the south lawn of the Hennepin County Government Center to protest the decision by prosecutors not to file charges against Minneapolis police officer Mark Hanneman in the fatal shooting of Amir Locke, end quote. The article goes on to highlight speakers at the event. Many of these speakers had family killed by police. You can read more at spokesman-recorder.com. Why Black People Fear Police Minneapolis cop not charged in murder of Amir Locke is the title of an article on Solidarity, April 11th by Malik Mia. The article quotes a statement from Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison and Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman, who jointly reviewed the case, saying they have, quote, insufficient admissible evidence to file criminal charges, end quote. The article notes Keith Ellison as America's first black attorney general, but says, quote, having a black attorney general working within the system, proved worthless. The fact that a trial didn't occur exposes, once again, the true nature of the criminal and policing system in the United States, end quote. Ultimately, it says, it is not no-knock warrants that are to blame, but instead the system of policing as a whole, saying finally, of the police system, quote, it must be abolished and replaced, end quote. First, Amazon union-approved campaign led by a not smart or articulate, former worker, is the title of an article on arcrepublic.com on April 7th by Kia Niambi Shivers. The article quotes a comment from Instagram about the firing of Chris Smalls, who is now the head of the Amazon labor union, saying, quote, Amazon fucked with the wrong guy, end quote. The article later goes on to say, quote, what Amazon did not know was that Smalls comes from a state where confrontational politics are the bread and butter of a unique political sphere. There, you must bring backbone and grit. Hailing from Hackensack, New Jersey, the former high school athlete star forewent his rap career to raise twins, end quote. The article ends by saying that it doesn't matter if Jeff Bezos likes the union or not, because to Chris Smalls, Bezos, who not long ago went to space, will always be what Gil Scott Heron described as, quote, whitey on the moon. The April Dispatch of Democratic Socialists of America has an introduction called From Maria, Let's Do It. 
It reads, quote, Amazon workers in Staten Island, New York, just out-organized their bosses against a multi-million dollar war chest and unfriendly labor laws. Workers at over 50 other Amazon warehouses immediately reached out for help, joining the more than 180 Starbucks stores and countless other worksites across industries where people are saying no to unsafe conditions, offensive pay, and disrespect on the job, end quote. You can read that dispatch on dsausa.org. Sanders praises Amazon Union for inspiring a, quote, national sweeping movement, end quote, is the title of an article on Common Dreams by Jake Johnson on April 12th. The article quotes Sanders as saying on an organizing call with workers, quote, all across this country, people are saying, whoa, if these guys at Amazon can take on that company, we can do it as well, end quote. Here's a clip from that meeting with Amazon workers and Bernie Sanders. Uh, what you did, as I think everybody knows, is you took on one of the most powerful corporations in this country, owned by one of the wealthiest people in this country, a corporation that spent millions and millions of dollars trying to prevent a union. And you, with a grassroots effort, a locally organized union with almost no financial resources, hey, you beat Amazon. That is remarkable. And I just want to, from the bottom of my heart, congratulate you for that extraordinary victory. Left Voice has an article on April 11th by Frankie Levine. The article is entitled, Lizella Herrera, Latest Victim in War on Abortion Rights. The subheading reads, A woman in Star County, Texas, was arrested and jailed on a $500,000 bond on Thursday in the latest in a series of attacks on abortion rights. Levine writes, quote, It is no surprise that under our racist legal system that the first people in the country to be criminalized under this new wave of anti-abortion laws are people of color. 21-year-old Native American Brittany Poolaw was also jailed in Oklahoma last year after having a miscarriage, end quote. The article ends by highlighting the need to win abortion rights in the streets with a mass movement rather than relying on the Supreme Court. Not mentioned in the article, but covered elsewhere, the charges against Lizella Herrera were ultimately reversed, according to some sources, likely under public pressure. NPR has two stories highlighting some positive news on the abortion rights front. One article entitled, Maryland Lawmakers Expand Who Can Perform Abortions After Overriding Governor's Veto, and the other entitled, The Right to Abortion in Colorado is Now Guaranteed Under State Law. You can read both of those on npr.org. The Left Berlin has an interview with Russian Socialist Movement entitled, The Only Way for Russians to End This War is Convince Soldiers to Stop Fighting, which was published on April 5th. Phil Butlin conducts the interview with the individual interviewed only identified as Sasha, 2011 is when the Russian socialist movement was formed out of a number of previous left formations, according to Sasha. Also, according to Sasha, visible protests, which are common in, quote, liberal democracy, are not the best tactic in Russia, which it calls a, quote, authoritarian state, end quote. Sasha says different tactics have been adopted by the anti-war movement in Russia, including leafleting neighborhoods and sharing prohibited media in local mailboxes. You can read more about the creative tactics of anti-war activists in Russia and the importance to them of building connections with activists in Ukraine on theleftberlin.com. Commons.com has an interview in which 
Oksana Duchak of the Center for Social and Labor Research in Kiev, who recently fled the country, spoke with the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation's Fabian Wazatsky. The interview is entitled, Real Peace in Ukraine Will Only Come After Change in Russia. Duchak, who fled Ukraine two weeks before the interview was published on April 10th, said most of the information on the situation on the ground came from contacts still in Ukraine. The article outlines terrible destruction and killing since the Russian invasion. You can read more on commons.com.ua. From the Tuesday, April 12th episode of Democracy Now!, Here's a Ukrainian-American journalist, Lev Galinkin, who has covered Ukraine extensively for many years, talking about war crimes in the country. Please understand this. As somebody who's been following this, Russia didn't start this war crimes now. Over the past eight years, the people of Donbass, the industrial heart of Ukraine, have been the victims of war crimes on both sides. Both sides have used cluster bombs, both sides have used uh, uh, Grad missiles, which are basically just just have no. They'll just go up and they'll just fall over a population. They're not they're not aimed at anybody, and they just kill people. Uh, both sides have uh, unleashed gangs of psychopaths that have been raping, have been torturing, have been withholding supplies, have been blocking food from areas. So uh, Russia is right now committing. A ton of—I mean, the entire invasion is a war crime. It's like it's talking about specific ones. It's actually really just all of, none of this would be happening if Russia didn't invade. So the whole the, the primary invasion—that's the war crime here. And but just understand that there's just been horrors committed, and often very quietly on both sides. For example, uh, Donbas is now one of the most, if not the most, heavily landmined area on the globe. And this is just, this is incredible. Like people just don't understand, but this is, both sides have been spreading mines everywhere without leaving maps. And villagers on either side of the of the conflict have just been blown up quietly over the past eight years. You just hear a report here, a report there, but it's just, it's millions of people who've been, who've had their lives destroyed uh, between this fighting. War in Ukraine. The New Era and the Crisis of Capitalism is the title of a statement on socialistalternative.org. The statement is from the International Committee of the International Socialist Alternative. It was published April 11th and says in part, quote, This is an era of profound capitalist decline. The war and the possibility that it could escalate into a more full-scale conflict is in itself an admission of irresolvable contradictions, end quote. The statement highlights a, quote, deglobalization and, quote, decoupling that is going on in the current era. This has led, it says, to increased nationalism and, quote, a rapid breakup of the world into two imperialist-led camps in a new, not-so-cold war, end quote. Ultimately, it says the solution is the building of a, quote, truly international world party of revolution, end quote. Where We Stand is the title of a statement by Socialist Action, which was posted on April 9th after being approved by the organization's National Committee. The statement highlights the role of fascist snipers in the February 2014 Maidan Square incident. The article goes into much more detail and also discusses at length the U.S. and NATO's involvement in Ukraine and discusses the history of U.S. oil wars and what it calls, quote, unprecedented fossil fuel plunder in Ukraine, end quote. 
Ultimately, it says, quote, the fight for an independent socialist Ukraine resides only with the workers of Ukraine and Russia and never with their capitalist oppressors, whether in Ukraine, Russia, or NATO, end quote. Ending with two bullet points that read, we reject the imperial propagandist disgusting characterization of a U.S.-backed fascist coup as a popular rebellion. We reject the corporate media created fantasy of a U.S. imperialism driven by benevolent intentions. And a number of demands, including, quote, U.S. out now, hands off Ukraine, end quote. You can read the statement and see all the demands on socialistaction.org. Defend Independence of Ukraine for Defeat of Moscow's Invasion is the title of an article by Roy Landerson. The article appears on TheMilitant.com and appeared in what will be their April 18th News Weekly. The item says, quote, The heroic battle by Ukrainian toilers for their national sovereignty continues, including a counteroffensive that helped drive the Russian forces away from Kiev. And bold protests continue in Ukrainian cities under occupation in and around Kherson, end quote. The article says the Kremlin is trying to hide heavy losses it is in fact sustaining in Ukraine. It says Putin is, quote, attempting to consolidate his forces further east to focus his assault on seizing the eastern Ukrainian province of Donetsk and Luhansk, parts of which were occupied by Russian-backed separatist forces in 2014, end quote. We've also included links to a number of other articles in the show notes that we can't fully cover here, but you should definitely Check out two articles on aljazeera.com, one entitled India Muslims See Wave of Attacks, Hate Speech on Hindu Festival, and another entitled Sri Lankan Doctors Warn of Catastrophic Deaths Amid Shortages. Check out our latest special interview from last week as well, entitled 200 Million General Strike in India, March 28th to 29th, where I talk again with our close connection, Rick Majumdar where we discuss both of the situations in India and Sri Lanka. Rick also has another article on Fightback News entitled Commentary, Regime Change in Pakistan, which you should check out. And now, in honor of labor, we go to Maurice Sugar's song, Sit Down. This was recorded in April 1937, shortly after the successful sit-down strike in Flint, Michigan, which helped United Auto Workers organize General Motors. The song is by the Manhattan Chorus. Here it is. Sit down, sit down, when they feel the fact they'll take it back, sit down, sit down, sit down, just keep your feet. 
Now we go to an interview I did with Liani Gale, where we talk about care work, our current care economy, and how we could put care at the center of a future economic system. Here's the interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we have folks introduce themselves. Just You've been on before, so tell us who you are again. Yeah, my name is Liani Gale. I'm from Germany originally, but uh, I came to the United States a long time ago to pursue a um, career in science. Um, I haven't been active in that profession for a while and I'm focused on activism uh, mainly. I don't really care to be part of the system very much because I'm really very opposed to um, the current system that I, you know, classify like Bell Hooks uh, is doing as an imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. So, and um, I know for the future of the planet, we need to overcome um, this interlocking system of uh, domination and oppression. That's great. Thanks, Liani. Yeah, it's great to have you on again. Uh, you know, previously, you know, when we talk, a lot of times we talk about the care economy. Um, it's something that you said you're really focused on, something you're, um, you know, reading more on and, and, and learning more about. And again, these all the, going back to all these systems of oppression and systems that are in place. Can you just talk a little bit about the, the care economy and what it is and what people are... Uh, saying about it, how they're understanding it today? Yeah, um, it's kind of, you know, like uh, about 10 years ago, you know, I, I was kind of like a burgeoning activist being pushed off like my career or something. And, you know, like everybody else wanting to change the world. So it's like, you know, kind of like where, what do, what do we need to do? So um, eventually I came across like, we really don't need to know like everything where we're going, but we need to have a first step. So then I was kind of ending up with basic income. I thought like, you know, with a basic income, we could kind of, um, you know, that would be kind of like a first step to um, system change. And through my contacts uh, within the basic income community, um, I came across um, an article by Ina Pretorius from Switzerland. It's called The Care-Centered Economy. And um, that really kind of made a lot of sense to me. So I've been focusing about five years on care. I think... If we identify a main problem is the economy and the political uh, system, then uh, what would replace a capitalist system? And she makes a case that we should kind of just put care in the center. Uh, caring for self, each other, and the planet should be the focus of the economy. And I've been really fascinated by this um, you know, concept, and I've been following and promoting and advocating for a care-centered economy ever um, since. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that comes up a lot that I know that we've talked about at least a little bit is, you know, the, the huge role that women play in the, uh, current care economy. Um, can you just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that role and, uh, how things look in our current economy and, and maybe how, um, you know, some of those steps, uh, that might get discussed about how we could uh, change that or how, how we could bring about uh, a, a new economy with care at the center? Yeah, I think, you know, following like uh, whenever there's kind of like new approaches to economy, you know, I'm kind of very interested. Um, you know, I really have a economy focus or something. And um, in the past few years, you know, the, the best ideas really have come from women, you know. So um, I, I find it kind of really notable 
And, you know, in, in regards to care, you know, we, we know care is kind of like one that really is absolutely necessary to, um, you know, to express and maintain our humanity. You know, without care, we wouldn't even make it past infancy. You know, it kind of takes a lot of care. And, um, you know, I have a um, father-in-law who is kind of really depending on care right now. And it's really kind of uh, speaks to our kind of um, the heart of who we are. And it is just um, just absolutely horrifying to me to witness how care has been not valued in capitalist society at all. Care is supposed to be a private issue. It's often done by women. It's not being talked about. Um, it's not being paid often. And then when it's paid, it's one of the lowest paying jobs there is. You know, caregivers, that is kind of no respect, no pay, not being mentioned much in society. And I find that absolutely horrifying that we are living in a system that that's kind of um, the, the truth, you know. So um, I and I'm kind of to look out, you know, like how we can change that. That's kind of like really, really a big issue, you know. Um, I mean, women are kind of taking on this role and that should be equally distributed, but I'm not kind of really sure how we kind of um, come out of um, that situation. Right. You 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 said that, I know you've said you consider yourself an activist, you know, because there's a lot of things in the current system that you don't agree with. Are there specific, um, again, going back to specific thinkers, books, or even uh, groups that are doing work around this uh around this issue of centering care, um, you know, either within the larger economy or within, you know, activist groups and within movements as far as uh, supporting that, that you would uh, point people towards? Yeah, that's, like for myself, like I, I, I kind of like to do tabling and trying to, um, you know, talk people. Uh, I haven't done that during the pandemic much, but uh, when I, um, you know, I have conversation with people, I'm kind of always kind of talking about, you know, how it would be if we would have, you know, a, a system based on care, an economic system. And what I kind of really like about this, um, you know, talking to people, it really makes sense to people, like right away, you know, they kind of, it's, um, it's very easy. The concept is very easy to connect to and people can really draw on their personal experiences. So, um, and I've kind of found that uh, over the last year or two that there's kind of more and more groups working with that concept, you know, around care. So I, I just kind of heard um, the keynote of the Bioneer conference uh, last December uh, was kind of given by uh, someone called Rupa Maria. And uh, I'm not sure, do you know her? She's kind of, she just kind of um, did, um, published a book with Raj Patel on Inflamed. I don't know her, no, but I'll look. I'll look into that. Yeah, this is kind of like an exci very exciting uh, book that she kind of compares, you know, the the surge of inflammatory illnesses uh, with and connects them with um, structural injustices. You know, like how people kind of deal with a lot of inflammatory um, illnesses um, that that is kind of like really tightly connected to structural injustices of our political and economic system. And that a lot of the inflammatory illnesses are linked to traumas, uh, both from childhood and uh, generational um, traumas. 
So, and she just kind of gave um, a talk at the Bayonet Conference about deep medicine and the care revolution. So, um, yeah, so this is kind of like where she is kind of connected, you know, a change in our view of health and how we approach medicine. And that has to go, uh, that should go hand in hand with um, the care revolution where um, the system level failures kind of need to be properly diagnosed uh, and then go from um, a, what she calls a colonial capitalist cosmology towards um, a system change and that it this system needs to be replaced one that recognizes our interconnectedness and that centers care. So um, that is kind of her prescription as a medical doctor, you know, and part of the, the deep medicines to heal traumas. And she kind of identifies, um, you know, capitalist and the colonialism as one of the reason of uh, quite a bit of sicknesses, both, you know, for individuals and in society. And she kind of really says that you cannot, you know, heal these traumas within the systems, you know, that, that the damage will continue until these systems are abolished. And the, you know, care is kind of really talks to our interconnectedness with each other and the planet. So. Yeah, I agree. We need, there's a number of systems in place that we need to abolish. And to me, a lot of it at the core is that the center is profit uh, under capitalism. It's, uh, you know, uh, capital accumulation, making loads of profit, you know, making the super wealthy uh, even more wealthy like they've become during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I don't want to go on too much more, but just um, at the movement level, I know there's been a lot of people talking with me on show about like mutual aid. I know a lot of people have been getting into, um, uh, well, my wife especially uh, getting into gardening and really looking at ways that we can, you know, build stronger uh, communities, uh, build more resilient communities. Is that part of this, uh, you know, centering care work, do you think? And, and, and are there any things that you've seen out there while you've been around any movements or, 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 or support type roles that you've been impressed with? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of just kind of burgeoning, you know, it's kind of just, uh, people bring up this concept like more and more. Um, I just heard in Dom Dom Democracy No! Patrice um, Colors, you know, from um, Black Lives Matter. And mm. she just published a book, um, which is called an abolitionist handbook or something. Mm. And it's kind of also, um, she, you know, her prescription is how we relate to and build an economy of care. Today, I just read an article about degrowth and care. And that is kind of um, going into what uh, you were saying about, you know, commoning practices. You know, so um, that is kind of just, um, you know, kind of starting to form. So there's kind of like a, a need for interconnection, a need for reciprocity, you know. Um, uh, it is very local. It is kind of um, self-forming. It's like about collective ownership. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, I was reading just today, uh, you know, like instead of scaling up, it's scaling out. So it's kind of really needs to start from local efforts and, then kind of, um, you know, connecting with others. And um, so these mutual aid um, efforts, I think, are very crucial in, um, you know, taking care of each other. And it, it has to be kind of very personal. It has to be based on 
deep relationship, on um, caring relationship, on kind relationships, on strong and stable relationships. So it's all, everything is kind of really relationship based. So this is kind of, you know, I mean, it's difficult to find leaders because I think it kind of really is depending on local efforts connecting with each other. But it's kind of all about rejecting the current narrative that, you know, like humans are all about self-interest and competition and that we are more about collaborating and caring and, um, you know, working together without having, um, you know, a hierarchy of, of um, you know, uh, the, those relationships. It's kind of more like what Rian Eisler, um, you know, calls like a partnership. Yeah, I mean, we should, we really should all kind of see ourselves as leaders to the ability that we're able to start, you know, doing what we can to, like you said, build out. I like that. So, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to say otherwise? No, I, I think that's kind of like a, a good synopsis. It's, yeah, you know, I mean, this is, this is not kind of like a one leadership or kind of like one movement or something. I think it's kind of, you know, like kind of like maybe, you know, compare it with mushrooms, you know, like mm. kind of forming kind of um, this mycelium and, um, you know, relationship with each other. And hopefully we come to fruition and being able to overcome these current systems that are absolutely inhumane and are not flexible, stable, or f- flexible um, enough to deal with any of the problems we are facing currently. Well, I always appreciate talking with you, Liani. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye, Nick. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Happy spring. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.